Hey, agility addicts, or soon to become one, welcome to Startline Podcast. I'm your host, Kara Armour, and I am here to edutain you about the world of dog agility. Join me as I spend time interviewing special guests, share my journey, successes, laughs, and failures. We all start somewhere, and we all end up on a start line. My hope is to help you grow in the sport we all love. Bonus episode ready. All right. Welcome, Agility Addicts. I am thrilled today to offer this bonus episode with Steve Basson. He is the 24-inch National Agility Champion for 2023. And there's so much more to Steve, and I wanted to bring him on because I have the absolute pleasure to be with him in local trials, but he has a powerhouse in the agility community. And also, not only is he a knack winner, he's got a lot of other accolades I want to go into, but he doesn't run a BC. And this is nothing against Border Collies, but I just wanted to introduce you and bring on someone that has all the attributes, the dedication, and the ability to win this amazing event and others with a non-Border Collie. And that's not to say that Border Collies aren't fascinating dogs and they clearly dominate our sport, but I wanted to bring on for lack of a better word, just a great guy that was able to take a good dog and win great events. And that's that's what we bring to. So I'm going to let Steve introduce himself. But really quickly, I want to give his his amazing accolades in a very short span. So he's the you know 2023 NAC 24 inch winning team. He's the 2022 Invitationals finalist for the 24-inch class. I was there. I couldn't have screamed any louder. <laughs> I was so thrilled to watch uh, Steve and his dog, Hogan, which we're going to get into win that. He also placed second at the 2022 NAC. So he went in in second place, <clears throat> having won, you know, won second place the year before and took number one. And then in 2022, he also he participates a lot in Westminster, but he was the winner of the Westminster Master Agility 24, sorry, second place in behind a BC, <laughs> the Masters Agility 24-inch class. And, and it's it's just thrilling to see a guy with a Weimariner win all these top sports. And so I'm going to let Steve dive into it. Tell us who you are outside, inside of agil- agility. Tell us who, is it Reagan's? Yep, Ray, yep, Reagan, okay. Reagan, Reagan, Reagan's, uh, Reagan Weimaraners, which is the okay. brief the family. So yeah. we get to, I get to announce him as Knack. He gets that prefix, <clears throat> Mach 5, Regan's, he's on the dance floor, UDRNMXS2, PDS, MJS2, PDJD, MFS, TQX, T, t- time to beat four, and act one. Those, it, it just shows his versatility. But anyways, Steve, I'm so thankful to have you here. Thanks for your time today. Tell us who you are, who Hogan is, and how you got here. Good. I'll start. First of all, the last piece of the title is Act One. And um, there's a lot of people who are beginners at agility. And I don't know if anyone else has gone from Act to Knack. Um, So that's where it started with me. And I think Act is really a great thing that the AKC does to really kick people off to get them used to things. But anyways, um, about me, I retired the end of 2014. So I was able to be a little bit more agility focused. I was an actuary for 35 plus years. You can Google that if you don't know what an actuary is. But could we call you a numbers guy? I'm a mathematician, statistician (laughs) by trade. Outside of agility, I enjoy golfing. So I don't do a ton of agility in the summer. I might do golf one day, agility one day. 
I'm a golf rules official. So during the week, I I'll, uh, officiate a lot of golf tournaments. I oh, do, that's neat. I didn't know that. Yep. I do in Connecticut. I do a lot in New England. I do a lot of college events in the spring and in the fall while the kids are in school. I do some local PGA events and I also lecture uh, on the rules of golf. So I do a lot with the rules of golf. I like working out, I like running. I'm a, a college basketball fan. So both my wife and I, we're kind of glued to the TV a little more than average this time of the season. <laughs> and also I'm on five nonprofit boards. Uh, so I'm very, very busy. Two are dog related, two are AKC related. Uh, I'm on a, a college board, uh, <clears throat> my, my alumni board I'm on at the UConn. I'm on the actual board there and I'm uh, on the board of the Connecticut State Golf Association. So I am, um, I'm overbooked and I like it that way. I think it keeps I was going to say, I thought you were busy alone with agility. I knew you did golf. I did not know you did all those others. That's yeah. um, fantastic. <laughs> Very busy. I think the most important muscle in the body is the one that sits on your shoulders. And uh, once I retired, I think it's very important to keep that muscle overworked and, and in shape. So that's who I am. That's incredible. So, and also tell us, so I know you are on several boards, but what uh, agility clubs do you belong to? And I know you serve on the boards, but um, what are some specific dog or and or agility clubs you belong to? Great. So the uh, Talcott Mountain Agility Club, I'm the treasurer for them, been on that, uh, been on that board for probably 14, 15 years, been a member for a few years longer. I'm on uh, a member of the Leap Agility Club, and I'm also on the board of the Yankee Weimaraner Club as well. Um, and I also am a member of Eastern Dog Club. So those are the four clubs that I'm involved in on the AKC side. And just to let people know, besides just being members and on the board and treasurer, you are also multiple trial chair. You chief course build for clubs that are not yours, including yours. You are constantly in motion. <clears throat> you are constantly setting a great example for everybody in the agility community. And the best part about you I don't think I've ever heard you complain. I don't think I've ever heard you say you're tired. You, I was tired the other day and I was like, we have to break down. We have to take these tarps down. We have to, and I'm looking at Steve's running all over the place. He's trial chair. Mind you literally what, two or three days before you drove back from Oklahoma. True. Yeah. From Tulsa yeah. and then chaired a very busy two ring trial. And I said, Oh geez, Steve's yeah. setting an example here. I can't not help here. You, you've got to do our part. Every little bit helps. And so I really can't hit that home enough that you are a pillar in our community as a role model for not just the achievements, which we're going to get into that you have done with your amazing dog, but as a, a person that participates and really helps keep these trials going by being club members, by being on the board, by chairing trials, which is basically an event coordinator. And then we might as well dive into it. You are the co-event coordinator or co-trial chair, as we say, for literally the biggest AK show, AKC show, Agility show, and we call it the biggest show on dirt. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this is the Thanksgiving cluster? It's held <laughs> yearly. I think we're having our silver Hogan colored 25 year anniversary this year, correct? That is correct. This is our 25th year, which is really just amazing. When I go into these things, I, well, Agility trials don't happen by the grace of God, right? Someone has to chair. And you've probably chaired them, but I never leave a trial without thanking the chair. Because it's so important. Because if no one stepped to the table, I'd be doing something else that weekend. We would all be doing something else that weekend. So if you want a trial, I think you have to spend a little bit of time volunteering just so it happens. 
So I try to, when I'm at a trial, I try to set a tone of volunteerism, of friendly, of being just friendly and just improving the atmosphere. Cluster, the biggest show on dirt, that's that's agility on steroids. Yes. That takes, it does take a lot of work. It's a, one club can't do it. Two clubs, Leap and Talcott Mountain, do it together. And you know, what we do, just so people understand, right about now, uh, uh, Debbie, Noreen, and I, we'll, we get together, we'll probably do it in the next week or two or three. And we always talk about the previous year, what went right, what went wrong, what could we do better? And every year we're turning that screw just to fine tune it a little bit. So I think that's one reason why it's it's so much fun. It It's great to see something that complex with those logistical problems come together. And I can't figure out how it does, but it does. Uh, and I, I think the agility community realizes it's a big event, takes a lot of time, and people do step up at that trial. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people uh, that contact me ahead of time wanting to know what they can do, quite a few. So it uh, takes a lot. You're a big part of it. We have a lot of vendors there. We have sponsors now. We've added the championship, which gives it uh, the feel of the of the knack of the nationals, and that's added a lot of pizzazz to the to the events as well. So I'm excited about it. I, a lot of people don't know it was on death's door during COVID. Uh, it's, we just weren't sure at that time if it was going to survive because mm -hmm. we have about 5,000 runs and it had been going down every year a little bit. And we didn't know if COVID was going to knock it down into, or we would be in significant red ink, but people came forward. And I can't say how grateful I am to the agility community for supporting it. It was it was good in 21. It was better in 22. And I think there's going to be a home run in November of 23. Well, I think I'm just going to speak for everybody that has been, we owe you a huge thank you. And, and you're very humble and you are, you're front of house, but you're very behind the scenes. I don't think anybody realizes. I see a very small inkling of the meetings that you guys have, but you know, this is a thank you from everybody for the efforts that you put in to bring us that show. Because if you have not been, please go. If you're thinking about going, go. It's just, it you can't, you almost can't put it into words how much fun this event is. And for any of those, as we learn more about Steve and his, his journey with Hogan, if you want to prepare for these events, these invitationals, nationals, Westminster, really a good kickoff a really good start is the cluster it's a multi-ring four ring show it, it it teaches you about you know prioritizing time you can prioritize volunteering just kind of maneuvering that as well as there's obedience and rally and confirmation going on and i just really encourage anybody to really check this out and we have people how many states we've we've had people from alaska multiple times right uh, i think there was some from alaska but, but there's virginia uh, there's you know, I'd say our radius, we took quite a few people within five, six, seven hundred miles. So it, it is a good radius, but the energy in the room is oh, so much amazing. different than a, than a regular trial. So I agree with you. If you want to prep for a national event, an invitational or a NAC or something like that, this is a, it's a great way to do it because the energy is there. Uh, there's just, uh, like I say, we do the um, something that simulates the nationals. We try to do our yeah, own the Northeast Agility Championship. Championship. The Northeast Agility Championship. And I've asked several people, 
do you think that does a good job of preparing you for the nationals? And they all say, yeah, yeah. 100%. It's televised. AKC TV comes in. I made finals with Phoenix and it was thrilling. And I've been to a couple big events and I was still, I had that very much big event feel. It's something that's on AKC TV kind of forever. So yeah, no, huge, huge thanks. It's a lot of fun, but I, I do want to, because that the cluster is a big piece of you in the agility community. It's one piece that you do, but it's a massive, massive thanks um, from you to the, or for you to the agility community. You're welcome. I do want to dive in. So we mentioned, I went back and I did some homework and the NAC winners for the past five years have all been border collies. And you did it this year with a Weimaraner. I want to first start off with, why Weimaraner? When did you get into this breed? What do you love about this breed? And tell us about Hogan. Sure. So I started questions. actually um, with uh, a German Shepherd. German Shepherds before I got my first Weimaraner in 2001. His name was Bunker. Very, very nice dog. Did therapy dog work with him for probably 10 or 11 years. He was just a very, very laid back one. I got a rescue wine a few years later. And he was just not a competition dog. And um, But, you know, great dogs, great family members. Hogan I got in 2005, so he's just another month. He turns eight, and his father was a two-time invitational winner. Right, yes. And finished second, so I knew that there was some genetics on my side there, and I had some big shoes to fill, and the Regan family, the uh, the, the Regan Weimaraner people were certainly keeping an eye out, so uh, so that's how it started for me with, with Hogan, and uh, and I like Weimaraners. They're they have a very sensitive touch. And the story I would tell is that at one time, this was probably 2004 or five or in that neighborhood, I had a, a German Shepherd and a Weimaraner. And the German Shepherd, when I used to feed him, would occasionally bark at me because I just give me that kibble faster. <laughs> and so one day I had a squirk and I squirted him. I, I'm sorry, I would squirt him occasionally. Well, one day he starts barking and the Weimaraner bunker starts barking. I squirted bunker. And he cried yeah. because Weimaraners are so soft. You know, they are very soft sensitive. They look at you and they're, they're dominant and they stand tall. But let me tell you, they are soft. And that's what I love about them. They're smart. Intelligent. They're soft. Go back to your, your point about the Border Collies. Yeah, I mean, when we compete, we know it's tough for us to compete against Border Collie because everybody wants that 22.1 inch Border Collie. So they get notched up and we're around 27 to just under 27 and so we compete with dogs that are four and a half inches shorter than us 25 30 pounds lighter but we try to do it with consistency Kara. it's um yeah and there's a lot of amazing i've noticed that the the 24 inch class is stacked with a lot of border or a lot of weimaraners and i noticed that many of them are related to hogan yeah and they're just drivey fun sporty dogs i've always loved them having a dog walking and training company We've had many come into our lives throughout the years. And to me, they're kind of like a Vishla on steroids. I really, I really enjoy the breed, but I've never, um, you know, I've never seen them working like you have your dog. And also you do some obedience and you do, they're, they're very versatile breeds. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I'll you know, share you know. one thing at the invitationals, you know, it's four rounds to get to the finals after yes. three rounds, Weimaraners were one, two, and three. So wow. I, after three rounds, I was ranked first. There was a lady from the West Coast who was in the finals of the NAC uh, that she was uh, second. And there was another Regan Weimaraner who was third. So 
uh, it's just an athletic family of Weimaraners, but I do obedience too. And I, I do obedience because I think it really builds the teamwork aspect. Yes. Uh, but uh, Hogan, he has his uh, UD, he's a utility dog. He has three UDX legs. And I hope to UDX him over the next year or two, perhaps. But given the choice, I'll do agility versus obedience. So I may do obedience on a weekend with this no agility. But, yes. But and, and that makes sense because I feel like just from what I've seen that you and Hogan are kind of at your peak. You're, you have really just hit a stride. You know, and, and I think this is interesting for Weimaraners and your team in particular. It's not, I, my husband and I joke, and I know it's not true for every dog, but we always say that Border Collies, Papillons, and Shelties come with preloaded software for agility. There, it's not that, this is not to disparage any trainers. We know an, a tremendous amount of training goes into it, but they are known and and show time and time again that they're just built mentally and physically for the sport. Would you say that, you know, a Weimaraner in particular, Hogan, did you guys start off that way? Was it, did you know from the get-go that this was just going to be your star team, you know, teammate? Or tell us a little bit about that journey. Um, because I remember sometimes in the rings when it wasn't the journey that you guys are on now. Correct. So I do believe he has preloaded software. Um, there were some bugs in it. Uh, <laughs> so I had to work out. His first cue wasn't fast and uh, for folks that might remember he would do puppy zooms in the room in the yes. in the ring but the difference is he would go over obstacles <sighs> when he did his puppy zoom so we're in it's fast and he's on a zoom i'm trying hollering trying to get him back and the judge is saying nine five <laughs> seven because he's doing things and uh, I got him back. We did the send and we got out of there within our 32 seconds and we queued. It's like, and I didn't get any of the points really, but we queued. So we, I think we were a team, but we had a little kerfuffle over who was the captain of that team. <laughs> and, it, and it took us a year, year and a half to work that out. Uh, I would say it took us six months to get through novice. Yeah. It took six months to get through open, took us six months to get through excellent. So now he's probably approaching three. And I would say between three and four, uh, things were starting to gel. And what I mean by that is we I would come home and I remember telling my wife, we would have queued but for, but for a bar, but for an off course, but for he went around that jump. And as we got close to four, he got locked in. And I just, yeah. I, I don't even remember when it happened. It's just, he would just go on these streaks and he and in the ring he's he's so locked in i can't believe it and the story i will tell there this goes back to westminster almost a year ago the judge gave me the signal to go and i get the go and i didn't realize it till afterward i didn't realize it but jim standish and carol Wirt were adjusting a tunnel and they saw we had gone so they just like at the last second got out of the way because we could have killed them <laughs> oh yeah so but free train didn't phase didn't phase him I didn't I didn't really see him. I'm focused on him. He was focused on me. And afterwards, Jim pointed it out to me. And I looked at the video and it's like, wow, I didn't I, I didn't. You know, a lot of dogs would have been distracted. Like they were going to stop. But he was just locked on that tunnel. And uh, so he's he's just dialed in in the ring. I, I can't explain it. But sometime around four years old is when that mental toughness, when that mental toughness grew on. So I know you can't explain sort of when he dialed in, dialed in, but what can you attribute to that? Because obviously 
there's, there's training, there's something that you've done to get there. You might not know when and how you got there, but you obviously put in some reinforcement history somewhere. What do you attribute that to? So uh, when we succeed in the ring, there's, we have a party afterwards. And I think he's very sensitive to that party versus a party, a light party. We did some nice things, but you to go take a nap for a while. So I'd say I try to really emphasize the highs. Yeah. I don't de-emphasize the lows that much. I maybe you're just, a jackpot dealer. I'm a jackpot dealer. That might, yep. I really try and, and he gets high, but he, um, he is a working dog. He really does want to please. And I'll give you just, you know, people like stories every day. He's trained to get my newspaper. He runs down to the street. Gets so the cool. And he does that. And, and I can show you videos sometime. My wife, she has her chair. I have my chair. When he hears her crumble the paper up, like he's done, like she's done with the newspaper, yeah. he'd be sleeping. He gets up in half a second, runs over to her, gets the paper, delivers it over to me. He's just, he just wants to work. He just, he, he has jobs and he knows when he has a job, that's my job. He's just, uh, he's very capitalistic and, and he knows his job and he knows what he gets paid for. And he gets paid to listen to me in the ring. That's why we had that kerfuffle about who's the captain. <laughs> he, the pay's better when he lets me play captain. And he realized that. And that's really when he got locked in. That's super cool. So where do you train and how often? Because I'm just kind of juxtaposing, and again, not to disparage anybody, but a lot of the previous winners or teams at NAC are facility owners, professional trainers, world team, you, you know, and this is just trying to make kind of anybody interested in the sport or just starting their journey or in their journey and saying, oh, I could never be like them. Yeah, you could. But, you know, let us know how you train, where you train and how often. So I train at Tales U in, in Manchester with Pam O'Day, who's an excellent instructor. And that's in Connecticut, right? In, in Manchester, Connecticut. Yep. What I would say, I, I bifurcate training a little bit. There's there's teamwork training and there's agility training. Mm -hmm. So I do agility training really once a week, which is today, Tuesday mornings. <clears throat> I have a 70 pound dog. I don't want to break him. So yeah. I want to be very sensitive. Now, if I'm not competing on a weekend, I might train agility train once on the weekend too, but I don't want to break them. But then there's the teamwork training. So we might do obedience work two or three or four times during the week where we're doing recalls and dumbbells and doing other things and doing go outs, things like that. So I think that, I think the teamwork training is, is important as important or more important than the agility training. Now, earlier in his life, when you're training front crosses and rear crosses and blind, we would do a lot more training, but it would be sequences. So we were just in the backyard. We practice rear crosses, front crosses, sends to the tunnel, a little bit of discrimination, things like that. But right now we have that down. I try, I try to not break him down just to keep him in shape. And that's super important. I'm glad you brought that point up. I, a lot of people, there's two sides to that. There's the people that run their dogs hard and, and don't give rest and breaks. And then there's the others that mm -hmm. we call them the, you know, weekend warriors. And I was a weekend warrior until I learned about conditioning my dog, both in training relationship building, as you're discussing, and also physically keeping them active during the week so that they're not coming off, you know, a couch to 5k on the weekends. Correct. Correct. And I think that's something that a lot of new people aren't aware of warm up routines, which is something I want to discuss, but 
it's majorly important and the and for large dogs and small dogs the reason why there's a bit more emphasis on a larger dog is just the physical impact think about a 70 pound dog jumping over a 24 inch jump and landing there's different surfaces they're landing on different turns and takeoffs and so it's just a little bit more it has a harder impact on their body and so I'm really glad that you brought that up because that is something that we all need to pay attention to the health and well-being of our dogs Especially as your, as your dog ages, it becomes more yes. important. Injuries are more likely. And if they happen, they just take longer to recover. So I, I don't want to break them. I want to keep them in shape and walks and just let them go to a field and let them be a dog for 20 minutes. That's fine, too. Yeah, that's, that's a that's fundamental part of our training, especially as now I have Wendy. I have to kind of just let her run at her own pace in the wild, literally. Yeah. Let her sniff, let her smell trees, let her find mouse nests, whatever she's going to do. So important. It's, yeah, it's so important. So these these dogs that you're seeing succeed at these events aren't mm -hmm. doing, you know, agility seven days a week and that's their life and they come out of their crate and do agility and go back in. They have these fantastic lives that allow them to flourish in the agility environment. And Hogan is one of those. <laughs> I, and I would add that half an hour or 45 minutes of obedience work, he is just as tired as if I did 30 or 45 minutes of agility. The yeah. mental stimulation takes as much gas out of them as the physical stimulation. It, it's, yep. it's surprising, but it's true. Oh, it's absolutely true. It's very enriching. It, it causes their brain. Uh, <clears throat> it's similar to even doing nose work, which is far less physical even than obedience, but it really gets their, their minds cranking. And yeah. you need that balance in a dog. You need them physically fit, but but mentally fit, because if not, as you know, and I know, we get zoomies, we Correct. get disconnects, we get, I can't focus because while my body, you exercise my body, my brain has not been exercised. And that's, that's a very important balance to have. Agreed. Yeah. So what obstacles have you had, if any, with Hogan and, and what are some of the most proud of what I know you talked a little bit about, you know, that you started gelling, but you just didn't know when, but is there a specific you know, did you have A-frame issues, contact issues? Did you have some kind of issue that you're like, oh, when we crested that or something that I had to put energy into? Do you have any of those obstacles? Sure. So early on, I'd say his love for the sport was also an obstacle because mm -hmm. it was it was the teamwork. He saw jumps. He loved doing jumps. And when you're training, you reward doing jumps. Mm -hmm. But then you have to bring the control. And so I'd say my first obstacle was really reining him in and him accepting me as the team captain <laughs> in terms of what to do, when to do it. And so that was one. The, uh, the other obstacle, and this gets a little bit into my strategy, is speed versus control. So I'm blessed to have a dog with good ground speed. Yes, amazing I, ground speed. I, I don't, and he has a very, very long stride. So one issue I have is the size of his stride. When I go straight jump to jump, he hits the ground twice. He lands, and then the next time he takes off. So one obstacle I have is I got to tell him where we're going kind of before it may be an obstacle in advance. Yeah. So he can prepare for it on landing. Uh, you know, that That's one obstacle. But as I, the speed and control thing is I don't have to push speed. So I would say, especially in a big event, I try to run him at 90, 95% speed, which is still going to be a lot of dogs. Mm -hmm. 
but it's going to get me a level of consistency. It's going to it really in, increase my Q rate a lot. And when you're looking at competing in a nationals or an invitationals where you have to get three or four cues to make it to finals, it's not speed. Most people miss a contact, knock a bar, do something. So I think that balance for me is that 90, 95% of speed, but a hundred and a hundred percent control. That's what gets you to the next level. Fullheartedly agree with that, especially being with the AKC and you have to balance your time mm -hmm. with your summer golf schedule mm -hmm. and you also make it to invitations and we know you've got some excellent competitors within your breed and within your kennel you know your breeders breeding program and that's something that's super important that's where i've focused too is sometimes speed can kill if you don't have that control and right. where you benefit with the akc is for consistency they pay you those 10 extra points for those double cues exactly right and and you, that's where i know some people have said oh invitationals it's just you know if you just trial a lot well you have to cue a lot and you can actually be very specific and have a good strategy where you trial just as much as you need but you bank on your control and consistency and i think that's important for people to understand because sometimes we go out there and it's like ah, and i hope they'll get into their contacts i hope they keep their bars up where if you focus on those things and, you know, I'm the same way. One of my dogs, I obviously would like to get more speed out of, but Wendy, I'm not going to need speed out of her. And Debbie, I don't need any speed out of her. And consistency is my goal with Wendy and I've got it with Debbie. And that's, that's what can set you apart from a pack of border collies if it needs to be. Right. I, I try to add, and I, and this was my strategy in the finals two weeks ago was to run a second slower, but nail everything. Yep. And, and, and that, 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 it's that balance is just finding uh, and getting that consistency. I, well, I think it paid you, off. Yeah. <laughs> your strategy definitely worked. And that also is partly knowing your dog and knowing your training. And this is why I wanted to bring home to people, you know, Steve, at this point in his relationship with Hogan can train once a week in agility, but think about things that you can do with your teammate that will enhance. And that's why I brought the nose work episode and that's why we talked a bit about stress and we're going to continue to talk about stress what can you bring to your team to help reach whatever your goals are they might be speed they might be consistency they might be both but um you know i really thank you for sharing that with us and you know now that i have you and you've accomplished so okay, I'm, I'm going to share one, oh, yeah. one other thing with you about training yeah you asked me how often i train i said you know once a week for agility no i train eight days a week because whenever we go down a set of stairs, right. I stay touch. Okay. When whenever you give your dog a treat, you've just missed an opportunity to train. Right? It's what are you gonna? I mean, give me a heel, give me a down, give me something. So I do agility training maybe once a week and I compete in the weekends, but I train eight days a week. Yeah. No, that's and, a that's a very, very good point. And we we do not go down a set of stairs. Without a touch. Yeah. I, I mean, just those things. If we're if we're walking, if we I'll take them to the mall, the outdoor mall, we'll walk around, we'll go down to Kirby. I'll say touch. But I mean, always I'm always training from that perspective, uh, so that he's listening and, and and dialed in. So, anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, was... I mean that's another really good point because I'm constantly telling my students, remember your dogs do not generalize well; they're very contextual. But because you're taking these 
you know, minute or two training sessions multiple times a day, which everyone and anyone should be doing. Absolutely. That's going to help your dog translate because think about it. The, even the arena at Tulsa versus the Thanksgiving cluster versus invitationals, you've got turf, you've got dirt, you've got screaming crowds, you've got a quieter crowd. It's just incredible. And by doing those little, which seems small, they compound as you're building that compound interest into that really good training bank account that over time, your dog is becoming less and less contextual and can generalize well, right? This might be a curb, this might be a stare, but I stop on them. This might be a dog walk contact, this might be an A-frame contact, but I stop on them. Exactly right. Exactly right. And it might be a Mad, and it might be a Max, and it might be a Gallican, and it might be a Clip and Go, but I stop on it. Irrelevant. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I'm really glad that you shared that with us because that's true. I don't, I should say, how often do you go to agility class, but you are training Right. All, that's all the time. Training, all, the time. all the time. And that's, that's what's super important, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that can help build mm-hmm. that team captain for you. And I'm sure that's what helped, helped yeah. him change his mind besides the jackpotting, but also being like, Hey dude, I'm going to ask you to do these things. You're going to get paid heavily for them, but let, let me be the asker and you the follower as opposed yeah. to. And it's great to see them think and your contextualizing point is very well taken because he'll be sitting, I'll be outside, maybe raking or doing something. He'll be on the front steps and one set of paws will be on a lower step, but it'll be sitting and I'll say down. So now he has to think. Yeah. Right. How do I get into a down with my butt? How do I get into a down when my paw is a step lower? And it's just interesting to see the thought process, but it makes it, it reinforces a down. Yeah. It, but but it's great to see problem solving. You know, it's right, it's right. You've right. you and again, that's something that Noreen constantly talks about, and she talks about in our stress episodes is <laughs> how can you make the dog think through something? So a down on the grass is a lot easier than you know, particularly a down in a in a stone pit. Right. If they're on a stone walkway, that's kind of can can be uncomfortable or a down on wet cement or wet grass versus a down on dry. And those are things that we can ask our dogs to do in daily life. Mm -hmm. You know, can you sit on a busy street corner versus can you sit at my front doorway? Those are all different contexts, but the same behavior. Correct. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so what are some things that you do? Cause I want to get a little bit into you, Steve. Sure. What do you do to prepare for these events or even just local trials? Because you can't, you almost can't tell there's no, there's not a lot of Steve at events. It's just, you're just even keeled Steve from what we see. I'm sure. I don't know what's going on in your head, but what are some things that you mentally and physically do? Because you're also in great shape to help you, the human be prepared for these events and even local trials. So I do like to work out myself and I work with a personal trainer once a week. So a lot of this is physical conditioning. I see some people that can work their dogs at a distance. I don't because I don't have to. So I think it's important to to keep in shape. When I prepare for a trial, I don't prepare for a trial, but when I'm looking at a course, I always try to look at it from the dog's perspective. So you'll see me, I'll actually walk through the obstacles and I'll say, what's the dog looking at? Where's my dog going to land? Where's he going to take off? And I try to sort of figure out where the challenges are that the judges put in the course. But um, I might look even keel as probably um, certainly before a big event or a national or something like that. I'm I'm more of a nutcase. I'd probably just hide it well. Uh, I'm not very social. I'm thinking and just running that course. You know, all the final courses I've 
participated in, whether it be Westminster, the National, the Invitationals, I've ran that course a thousand times in my head. And sometimes people have spoken to me and, and they say, Steve, and oh, I didn't realize somebody was. So I try to get very dialed in too. Uh, I'm very competitive. I can deal with Hogan making an error. I can't deal with me making an error. <laughs> that's uh, that's something I struggle with. It does happen, and I know that. So I just really try to become laser focused as well. That what I expect out of Hogan, that laser focus, I expect to be able to do that myself and to be laser focused as, as laser focused as him. Part of your success, like it or not, has been because you've been in charge and had good teams in place. And so you know, between you and Hogan, as well as in the agility community, how to really get things done and when to dial in, when to sit back and relax, when to focus on the tasks at hand. And I think that invariably has helped you um, become kind of the powerhouse team that that you and Hogan have, particularly in 2022 and now bleeding over into 2023. I'm excited. We've got Westminster on the horizon. Uh, I know you have a bit of a conflict because that is your your club's trial weekend as well. But we'll all figure that out because we're an agility community and we'll make them both happen. So, you know, pretty much I just want to let everybody know you guys should watch out. Go back and watch the the Nationals on AKC TV. They are airing. You can watch all of Hogan's run. You can watch the finals. It's fascinating. I was out to dinner with my husband because... I live and eat agility. And he was like, can we at least go out to dinner? So I had my phone propped up, I think, against the salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> I think I burst out in screams when I saw that you won. And it was just so exciting. But you can watch it anytime and really go to these trials and and remember that you too, you too can be a Steve, right? You can show up with your dog. You can volunteer. You can eventually, you know, join these clubs, lead trials and win nationals. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a special person. It, t- it just takes a good person and, and a, a good team. And I think that's, that's a lot of your success and that why the community was so thrilled to see, you know, Steve win. I, well, I know you. we were all just absolutely thrilled and we had a nice cake for you this weekend. Unbelievable. Very good. Thank you so much. That was good. <laughs> So is there anything else you want to share? You know, I appreciate you coming on with this bonus ep- episode. I wanted to get on because I know last time when you won invites, your um, Connecticut news station grabbed you. So I was like, I have to grab Steve. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. I mean, I would say it certainly takes a little bit of luck. And it, for me to get here, it did take a little bit of luck. But I think to join a club and be part of the agility community is important. You get to meet a lot of people. You and and I sometimes when I walk, I watch other experienced handlers to see how they're walking. Uh, so you pick up so many uh, when you get involved. I think you just pick up a lot of little tricks and a little bit of a few facts here or there. But I I just I can't tell people enough volunteer just once a day because it makes the trial run so much more efficient. It gets everybody out of there a little quicker. And you learn a lot and you're part of the success of the trial. And I think that that's a great feeling to say that this trial was success. And and, uh, and part of it was because of me. And I'm just saying, give me a half an hour, give me 45 minutes every trial and things are so smooth. But um, I always but, say bar setting is the best seat in the house. It's not one of my favorite jobs only because I like to be very busy, but it's very wonderful. I know a lot of people that love to bar set because you see angles and lines that you wouldn't see before. Great. And if you have a 12 inch dog, 
you can, bar, you know, bar set for the 16s. There'll be many dogs in that class that might run similar to yours. And also you always hear people talking about big dog versus little dog volunteer for a big dog class. It's just, it's incredible to see that. I love, you know, working the table and gating, gating because I learn everybody's names, sure. <laughs> you know, or you end up butchering a dog's name and then you get corrected and it's, then you know that dog's name for the rest of their life. It's, it's just enjoyable, but in general, I just wanted to, you know, say thank you for being such a stand-up guy. Thank you for being such a role model. Thank you for your tireless efforts, both in the community with basketball and golf, and especially in the agility community with leading these trials and, and course building left, right, and center. I know when I'm helping other clubs get things going, you're one of my first calls for, for chief course builder. And as long as you're there not playing golf, you'll do it. And that's just fundamental to, you know, everything's going up, costs are going up. And this is one way we can help keep everything down is if we volunteer. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. Nice talking to you. And thank you for giving me the chance to share my story with with the agility community. Well, I'm so glad. I mean, you're just a wonderful stand-up person. So thanks. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Carol, we'll see you again, hopefully soon. Yes. Good day. Bye-bye. Glad to bring this bonus episode. Remember, in order to keep these coming, you need to rate, review, and subscribe on any of the platforms that you listen to this podcast on. Can't thank you enough, guys. Have a great one. and See you around at a trial.